At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with good friend Ron Hicks, pastor of Henderson Memorial Baptist Church. And today we are going to talk about how to have a conversation. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, buddy. Yeah. Hey, so why are we having a conversation on how to have a conversation? Because nobody teaches us to how to have a conversation. Typically, when people are talking, two people are talking, mm-hmm. uh, the other person is listening yeah. for an opening. Yeah. They're not, they're not listening for anything other than silence from your part yeah. so that I can say what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no active listening. There's no reinforcing what's been heard. Nobody's mm-hmm. taught that mm-hmm. unless you've been to counseling, unless you've been on a debate team. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe uh, 0.5% of the population <laughs> of the world. So Learning how to have a conversation, I would say, is more caught yeah. than taught. Absolutely. And, and debate mm-hmm. teams are great. Oh, and, and actually uh, rhetoric classes and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Sitting in front of a teacher and listening to them and mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. that's great. But more of it, I would say, is learned in our home environment. Absolutely. It's learned in our personal relationships mm-hmm. with others. There are some people that are better at conversations than others. But this is particularly important that we do talk about having a conversation today because it seems to me, Ron, that there is breakdown in communication today, whether it's in the home or in the public arena. You look on social media, there's a breakdown in how we communicate there. And it's gotten to the point where it's gotten to be disorder. There's Mm -hmm. chaos in the streets. You see protests where people that are animated and upset, that turns into shouting matches. Shouting matches turn into violence and destruction of property in some cases. And I think this is where we need to step in and say, hey, um, let's hold on, put the brakes on, let's reassess where we are and, and ask ourselves if, if we want to continue down this path of shouting, mm-hmm. and that, which leads to violent actions, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that will end up in one place. Or do we put the brakes on and say, hey, let's reassess, let's hit the reset button and figure out how to do this civilly. I heard an elected official, I don't recall what where it was, but I, I heard this elected official say, I would love to be able to sit down with the protesters and hear their demands, yeah. but there aren't any. All they want to well, do is, I mean, it, what they were saying was there's, there are people running through the streets, they're, they're burning buildings, they're assaulting people and all. They have no agenda other than doing that. I would and say, so, yeah, I would say, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I would ahead. say that there are some, maybe oh, several. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. so in, in Portland, Oregon, and that's one reason why we're having this conversation, because mm-hmm. there are protesters in Portland, Oregon, who have resorted to violence. They've resorted to destruction of property. In fact, for about the last month, they a group has been trying to set fire and to destroy a federal justice building. Hmm. There's actually a fence, chain link fence around it uh, with federal law enforcement trying to keep it safe because local law enforcement under the leadership of Portland's mayor is not willing to protect that property. Uh, so we see in, a, in an ultimate sense, civil communication and civility has broken down in Portland. And when you have a bully that's not confronted, then the bully can run unchecked. 
And so if you have a mayor that says, we're not going to do anything against your bullying tactics, then the bullies realize we can do anything that we want to do. And the only way to confront a bully is to be ready to, to, to match them, violence for violence. Yeah. And you don't, you want to be able to, to ward it off before it gets there. And that's why there is federal right. authorities in there mm-hmm. trying to protect property. Yeah. But So we talked about demands uh, in Portland in particular. The protesters there, uh, and I'm reluctant to call them protesters because they've stepped over the line of just protesting. It's almost a mob. Some of them. Criminals. Criminal criminal activity. activity, uh, Led by a mob mentality. Uh, They have put out demands. They're demanding that the police force, number one, be cut by 50%. They're demanding that those resources be redirected to the community, especially the black community. They're also uh, demanding that the mayor resign. Who, by the way, Portland's mayor. Seems to be for them. Mayor Wheeler. <laughs> yeah. He's actually, I saw him with a megaphone speaking to the protesters, and it was it was surreal, Ron, because he was there identifying with them. He's saying, I'm with you. If they uh, put tear gas on you, they're putting it on me. And he, sa- he was demanding that the federal authorities leave. While he was doing this, uh, it was eerie because you saw the chain link fence separating the protesters from the federal building while the mayor was speaking, trying to identify with the people, they were booing him and calling for him to resign. Hmm. It was, and, and at the same time, they wanted to destroy federal property. He was siding with them instead of trying to keep order and trying to protect the federal building. Well, when, when, when it falls that far apart, I mean, when it fall, when the wheels fall off the bus that much, it's almost impossible to restore order without hitting a major reset button. And, and by doing so, bringing in federal officials, arresting people, I mean, taking it to the extreme. And if people just from the beginning were able to sit down and have a conversation, I do premarital counseling before I marry any couples. The last session is, I, I, I jokingly say, I'm going to teach you how to argue. And, and basically what it is, is as active listening. One person says something, the other person restates what they've heard. And so maybe, maybe we can get into yeah. how do you have a productive conversation where there's active listening, Make sure that you're communicating what you think you're communicating. And maybe we can just kind of unpack that a little bit. No, I think we should, but we're going to have to do that in the next segment because we got okay. about a minute right. in this one. But uh, so I want to give other reasons why we, want, why we need to learn to have better conversations. Okay, sure. So we're seeing, uh, we're seeing civil breakdown mm-hmm. uh, in certain parts of the country. But let's, let's bring it home to a more personal level mm-hmm. in our families. Mm-hmm. It's important that we have good conversations, parents and children. You mentioned spouses, husband Mm -hmm. and wife, Mm -hmm. but uh, things uh, will go much smoother in our homes if we communicate clearly, if we seek to understand. We really need to listen better, I would say. That's one of the biggest problems we have. Well, that's a biblical principle. Be be slow to speak and quick to listen. That's right. We have two ears, one mouth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. James James says that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, everyone should be slow to speak, Mm -hmm. quick to listen, slow to become angry. Mm -hmm. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness Mm -hmm. that God desires. Mm -hmm. And this should begin in the home where Mm -hmm. parents need to listen to their children. I'm not talking about children dictating what goes on. Right. But I'm talking about understand what is the concern of your child. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to communicate mm-hmm. to you? And then a parent, you have to maybe reiterate what the child is saying to you so you fully understand that. And there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, Jimmy, I hear what you're saying. I understand you don't want to do that. But Daddy said you have to do it, so you're going to have to do it. 
So you understand me, I understand you, yeah. but ultimately yeah. you're going to have to do what I say. Yeah. And the kid's going to say, well, at least I had a chance you know, to, right. to tell you how I felt. And you I know? think that the, the stock, if you will, of the parents grows in the child's Absolutely. eyes when they know that their parents are really trying to sure. listen, trying to sure. understand. So it needs to begin in the home. Right. It needs to begin between parent and child. It needs to begin with spouses. Yeah. So really understanding well, what are your desires? What are you yeah. trying to communicate to me? And when you make that effort, husband, when you make the effort to really understand your wife, you're going to speak to her. You're, uh-huh. her she will be moved eventually. Maybe if you've been in well, a moment or a season of conflict, right. it may take a while, but it will have an impact on her and to we've know seen, that you have, have made that effort. Absolutely. To and we've both seen the tragedy of when only one spouse is open to communication. If the other person isn't willing to communicate yeah. or they hadn't learned to communicate, then then this this wall sometimes that's too that's yeah. too that's too tall to be able to to to, to broach is yeah. is built up and, yeah. and sometimes relationships fall apart because both parties aren't willing to communicate, to sit down and say, I want to hear what, what it is that you're saying. That's a good point. Ron, we're going to take a quick break here. Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters, and we will be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that America is being torn apart. We're seeing injustice, violence, and destruction of property in some of our big cities. Historical statues of our founding fathers have been vandalized, and some are even pushing to defund the police. This has brought fear and discouragement to many, but now is not the time to pull back or to disengage. That's why we are launching Faith Wins Kentucky. Faith Wins Kentucky is dedicated to educating, activating, and mobilizing Christians to vote biblical values in the November election. We believe that America is a special nation whose institutions are undergirded by biblical values. We're blessed with freedoms and liberties beyond compare. But if we care about our freedoms, then we must be willing to protect them. To learn more about Faith Wins Kentucky and how you can make a difference this election, go to faithwinsky.org. That's faithwinsky.org. Agape Service Foundation serves to meet the deepest spiritual and social needs of people. We feed and clothe those who are in need, ministering to the sick and the imprisoned, preaching the gospel to the poor, and offering healing and hope to the brokenhearted. Agape has ministered in Kentucky jails and prisons for over 45 years. We have established ministries in Haiti, Bangladesh, and the Dominican Republic. We conduct evangelism training and rescue women and children from life on the streets. Agape Service Foundation supplies chaplains for law enforcement, fire, emergency service, and first responders. And we assist individuals in getting admitted into rehab facilities, working hand-in-hand with the court system. To learn more or how you can help us, visit agapesvf.com. That's agapesvf.com. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Ron Hicks, and we were we're talking today about the need for better communication, mm-hmm. how to have a conversation in particular. Yeah. And Ron, uh, in the previous segment, we were talking about uh, strategies to have that better conversation, mm-hmm. and I'd mm-hmm. like us to spend some time with that. Uh, can we do a little role playing? How about that? We can. Little we role can. Play. Sure. Okay. This is what let's, I want you to do. Try it. I, right. And I'll try my best. All right. This but. is what I want you to do, Richard. I, I, I want you to. Um, I, I want mm-hmm. you to tell me something 
that that irritates you not not about me but something just in general that irritates you if it's a if it's a driver that cuts you off in traffic if it's somebody that when they open a register in the grocery store and say you know the the person who just got up to the line goes just something in society that that aggravates you i want you to i want yeah. you to tell me and this is what i want you to do i want you to use i statements i want yeah. you to say i feel this way this is how i feel when this happens so yeah. go ahead and tell me yeah. something so i'm gonna have that to be completely transparent unrehearsed, yeah guys. this is yeah. this is <laughs> i'm All gonna right? be transparent okay right. one of my pet peeves is when i'm at a big box store i won't name any names okay there's one in particular but i'm gonna keep okay. them out of the it's discussion a, okay going through the parking lot, and people are in such a rush, especially those who are trying to find a parking place. Mm-hmm. They don't have regard for the, the pedestrians, pedestrians right? who are mm-hmm. walking. Mm-hmm. They don't have regard for cars that are trying to pull out. So just speeding uh, through. They're just speeding through. Oh, okay. I just want to get that closest parking space, mm-hmm. and I don't care about anybody else. Okay, That's a pet peeve. Okay. There it is. And how does it make you feel when, when a car speeds by? So, so add that aspect. You say you don't like it, but how does it make you feel when you see a car speeding by without regard for anybody else, how do you feel about yeah, I that? I feel like that person's inconsiderate. I feel like they're not being a good citizen, and I feel like yelling at them. Okay. I feel if I there's moments, and I don't do that, of course, but mm-hmm. I do feel like yelling, like, dude, slow down. Okay. You know what? What about these other people here? Okay. So, Richard, what I heard you say just now was one of your pet peeves is when you go to a large store, a big box store. And, uh, and you're trying to, to either get to your car or get inside the store. Uh, there are drivers that are not, not considerate uh, of you, and, and um, you, you feel like they're not considerate, they're not good citizens, they don't care, care for your welfare. All they're caring about is getting to a parking spot. And so I hear you saying that, that you don't like that, that environment. I, yeah. I'd even go – you didn't say this, but maybe I'd go so far as to say that that creates for you an uncomfortable environment. Yeah, like, is that, absolutely. Is, okay. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like these other people care about the welfare of others. Yeah, it's okay. very uncomfortable. So did I, did I hear what you were saying do, do, in, when I repeated back to you, you in my own words? I think you understand fully okay. what I'm saying. So it gives you now the opportunity where, where you, sometimes we say something and we're, we're feeling one thing, we actually say another. So I repeated back what you said. You would have been able to say, you know, Ron, that's what I said, but really that's not what I wanted to convey. And so you could you have an opportunity to restate. But now, when I say this is what I heard you saying, we have communication. Yeah. Now yeah. you you have the opportunity to expound on that, mm-hmm. or you can say to me, Ron, how how do you feel about that? What do you think about that situation? And then I say, you know, and then yeah. you're able to say, okay, Ron, what I hear you say. Yeah. So I'm listening because I understand. I have to repeat to you in my own words what That's you've right. just said. That's right. So I'm forced into an active listening. That's right, and that shows that you do fully understand. Right. There's no room for interpretation. Mm-mm. You've conveyed to me that I've said this something. This is what you've you said, do, right. and you do fully understand. And that. here's the crazy thing: I can't say your feelings are wrong when you right. say I feel unsafe. No, you don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can say I don't know why you feel unsafe, but I cannot say you don't feel unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's when good. you use the I statements. Yeah, that's good. So mm-hmm. use active listening, number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Use I statements, mm-hmm. number two. I feel, yeah. Realize, and you brought up another important mm-hmm. point, realize that you cannot change somebody else's feelings. How they feel is how right. they feel. That's how they feel, right. They own that. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you acknowledge how they feel or whether or not whether you, you feel empathize the same way? Sure. That, yeah, yeah, that's on you. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think this is particularly difficult with spouses because there's one, there's a oneness mm-hmm. between a mm-hmm. husband and wife, and uh, it's much easier to step on toes. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to have hurt feelings, but it's so important that spouses have that open, careful, thoughtful conversation and that they fully understand. You know, there's, there's this unity in a marriage that brings them so close together mm-hmm. And yet the truth is, is that there's still two individuals. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're in a marital covenantal relationship, 
but there's still two individuals with different thoughts and um, different tolerance levels, different ideas, mm-hmm. and that has to be respected and spouses have to work extra hard. Well, and another thing is sometimes when you say something, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving now maybe out of the marital region into a political region or, or to a social issue, sometimes when you say back to somebody, this is what I just heard you say, yeah. and they hear it from somebody else, they're like, yeah, that's, that's what I said. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And you're like, well, you know, I, I'm having a hard time understanding it. Yeah. And, and so sometimes people hearing back what they've just said is a great opportunity for them to hear it, really hear it for the first time. Yeah. Or, or when you say, that's what I said, now you have the opportunity to, be, to ask educated questions. Okay, if this is what you just said, if this is how you feel, then help me to understand why you think that. Help me to understand why you're feeling that. And now you're going off of, you're, you're, you're having a debate about factual things. Yeah. Okay, validate that point. Help me to understand why you're feeling that way. Guess what? Communication is flowing now. And, and often when people come from a ridiculous point of view, they very quickly realize. And, and if it breaks down into a bunch of hollering or screaming, okay, let me, let me repeat back what you said. <laughs> Is that is that what you just said? Yeah. Okay. Help me to understand. By the way, by the way, that is our civil conversation right, right, right. now. Whether you're on Twitter or you other dummy, social you media, hate me, you hate me. You bigot. It's you you sound bites. You, it's accusations. Yeah. But here's the danger: when civil society breaks down, where we have no communication, people do get extremely angry, and you do see it often spill over into violence. Sure. And that's something that we need to prevent. As leaders, you're an influencer. Yeah. Commonwealth Policy Center has a place of influence. We need to take a leadership role and to say, you know what, let's not go in that direction. Nobody wins when protests result in mob violence, which results in uh, destruction of property and the hurting of individuals. Nobody wins in that. You were raised up north. Mm -hmm. My my dad was a career military officer. We were raised all over. But when we were kids, Mm -hmm. and we're around the same age, um, you're a little bit older than I am. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm older than he is. But um, when when, when you were having an argument with a a friend Mm -hmm. and and you had absolutely nothing else to say, you could always resort to the insult, well, you're mama. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knew, okay, I I have nothing else to say. Let's just go ahead and fight because there's nothing intelligent I have left. it's almost like that's the go-to now. Yeah. It's let me holler and scream as loud as I can, call you all the names that I can call you, and just shout you down. And and if somebody says, well, help me to understand why you think I'm a bigot. Help me to understand why you think I I, I don't want women and children yeah. to succeed. Why? They, they just, well, because you're a racist. Cause you're, and, and, oh, that okay, takes you just said guts. That. <laughs> After you've been offended, though, and somebody's just belittled you or insulted you, it takes guts to say, to step back and say, hey, let's, let's, take a step back and tell me why you think the way you do. Well, and it doesn't really take guts because from my opinion, I'm like, you don't even know me. You have no idea who I am. You don't know who my background is and all that. You don't know me. So help me to understand how you can give me those labels without knowing me. So, so now are, are you painting with a great big broad brush because the color of my skin or because of the vehicle that I drive? Surely you're not using stereotyping. You're not using profiling to be able to assign a particular thought to me, are you? Because that would be what liberals are against. Right. That's what that so surely you're not using a tactic against me that you espouse to, uh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. very quickly when you use an intelligent mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. well, it, it, it lets people know what, what side you're on. There's an old Chinese proverb, if you get in an argument with a fool, somebody watching won't be able to tell who's who. 
Um, and so if you, if you okay. are intelligent, you know. yeah. if you're just tuning in, you're I'm listening sorry. to the Commonwealth Matters. Is, you're going to have to edit all that Richard out. Nelson, <laughs> no, we're going to go, we're going to keep it here. Uh, if you're, uh, we're talking about how to have a conversation today. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light. Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at cpc for kentucky Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of Commonwealth Policy Center, and uh, we're talking about how to have a conversation. And uh, Ron Hicks is with me, and Ron, we need to have good conversations mm-hmm. more than ever. And in order to have a conversation, there's certain rules of it. You, you don't think the worst of somebody else. That's one. You think the best. If there's a misunderstanding, you ask questions. Uh, try to understand that person. Don't, as you said in the first segment, don't look for an opening to get in and to get your points in. And look, anybody can have an opinion. Anybody can start an argument. But what not everybody can do, nor seems to be doing, very few people seem to be doing, is trying to understand the other person, trying to engage in a thoughtful dialogue. Uh, but we need to do that. Well, then if I give you an opportunity to state your point, I ask you questions in reference to your point. Then when it's my turn to speak, I can say to you, if you have this interrupting spirit, hang hang on a second, I gave you all the opportunity, I spoke back to you what your position was, restated it to the point where you you understand that I understand where you're coming from, now allow me to be able to speak. If they won't allow you to speak... Even the Bible says sometimes you got to shake the dust of the village off. Yeah. It, you don't cast pearls before swine. Sometimes it's just an r- irresponsible r- to continue in yeah. a conversation. Ron, Ron, that's a very good point. There's some people that are just not going to be open or capable of right. having a good conversation. A good and it's, yeah, and it's just time yeah. to move on. Yeah. Yeah. There are people. I believe on both sides of the political spectrum, there are good people, people of goodwill, Absolutely. willing to have a conversation. More so than bad. I, th- I think there's more so than bad. Yeah. People with good intent may be acting in, a, in, an, in an unproductive way. But it's scary because we're both we're in our political tribes you have the political right and the mm-hmm. political left and if you either the leaders on in either side of that spectrum come to the middle 
often it's people in their own tribe that say, hey, what are you oh, doing you talking to, you, to the, associate you know, with those people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron, what are you mm-hmm. doing talking mm-hmm. to the whatever group? Mm-hmm. It might, the ACLU. Right. We right. talked about yeah. the ACLU off right. the air a little mm-hmm. while ago, mm-hmm. and they don't align uh, with uh, CPC and its values. But guess what? I'd be willing to have a conversation with them. In fact, I do when I'm up in Frankfurt. In fact, I talk with yeah. one of their key lobbyists. And in from fact, time it makes time. you Christ-like, Richard, because they said to Jesus, "Why are you eating with those those yeah. sinners, those publicans, those tax collectors? Yeah. Why are you associating with those sinners?" Yeah. And, and and Jesus, well, you know, they, they a hospital is for sick people. Yeah. A hospital is for sick people. We're carrying the gospel to people who need to hear the truth. Ron, I'm glad that you brought this up because this might be the most important point of the program, why we need to have good conversations. Uh, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lead a, what I consider a ministry. Very much I believe, ministry, sure. I believe that um, we're bringing Christian principles into the public arena. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a bigger reason why we need to have this conversation. It's because... If we care about religious freedom, if we care about being able to share the gospel, if we care about uh, bringing biblical principles into the public arena, we need to have conversations. Absolutely. Jesus uh, is we, the only hope. He's the only hope. Yeah. And faith comes through hearing the word of God. If we don't know how to have a good conversation, if we're not listening as people are speaking and to be able to articulate our point, then we're not able to convey the gospel. And without the gospel, lives, eternities aren't going to be changed. Hearts aren't going to be changed. Yeah. The church today in this country depends on freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. We depend on the freedom of religion, of course, but it really, uh, we need to have open lines of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- the gospel isn't something, by the way, that's just uh, imposed. We don't have a state or federal law that says, here's the gospel, y'all need to believe it. Right. The gospel is dependent on people, God's people, being able to share it. It's, mm-hmm. it's dependent on pastors being able to communicate. And I would submit to you that the gospel is unattractive to conveyors of it if you don't know how to have a conversation. Absolutely. If you're if you're arrogant, if you're talking over people, if you're not willing to listen to other people and hear their stories. What do they have to do? Why would they want to listen to the gospel? I actually had somebody say to me one time, we had a conversation, and they said, this is the very first time I've had a conversation with a Christian. And I'm not tuning my own horn because I usually talk too much. Just the Holy Spirit told me to be quiet. Um, They said, this first conversation I've had with a Christian where I didn't feel like the result of the conversation was me saying, okay, okay, I believe. Every other time, it seems like the only uh, objective of the person yeah. was for me to say, I believe, I believe. They didn't care what I thought, what I yeah. felt, and, and they, they were refreshed uh, yeah. with that conversation. No, that's, a, that's a good point. And I think uh, as believers, as followers of Jesus, um, sometimes we want to play the role of the Holy Spirit, that we're, our job is to do the convicting. And the convincing. Just, and, and the convincing, yeah. mm-hmm. and the, you know, that we're the, we're the judge and the jury, mm-hmm, right? And, mm-hmm. But we don't. We're just, you know, if we really, when the gospel has gripped us and when the gospel has changed us, one of the major changes is that it will bring about incredible humility right. and it will bring about compassion for other people. So we're not responsible for converting, if you will. Mm-mm. We're responsible for tell conveying, yeah, tell right, conveying, yeah. engaging people in right. conversation. And that's what Jesus did. He met people who were outside the church establishment, so to speak, outside the synagogue, and he met them where they were. Yeah. He engaged them in dialogue. He was gracious and compassionate sure. to them. Remember the woman at the well? Yeah. Um, yeah. She, he, basically, she was a, a woman who had been through many, many men, living with a guy, and, and after it was all over with, she went back to her village, and she said, I just met a man that told me everything I've ever done. Yeah. Pause. You've got to come meet this guy. Yeah. 
We've got to be able to share the truth and love in such a way where somebody says, I just met this guy that told me everything I've ever done wrong. Man, you got to come meet this guy. Yeah. Because it wasn't about what they did wrong. It's the man who came, the God who came to be able to free you from everything you and I have both done wrong. Yeah. So that's, that's how you good. have a good communication. Hey, that's a that's a good word. Ron Hicks, uh, we are out of time. Great man. conversation. No, this kidding. is a good, good conversation. conversation. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.